0: You're listening to Long Island's number one couples podcast.
1: I'm Christian, the boyfriend,
0: and I'm Alyssa, the girlfriend,
1: and this is BFVGF.
0: BFVGF. Subscribe for more podcasts and be sure to give us five stars wherever you stream us.
1: How you doing, Alyssa? Boo.
0: I'm doing good. How are you?
1: I'm doing phenomenal. You know it. I know it. This is a very special occasion. Our following guest is an up-and-coming musical artist who rocked Long Island with her first single, Not This Time, back in 2019. With her vocal influences ranging from disco queen Donna Summer to the pop-punk stylings of Paramore's Hayley Williams, she brings audible diversity to the table like no other with her new single, Not This Time. Her emotive ways bring the track to life and help usher in a wave of pop that is not afraid to abandon the rules of the expected. Not This Time follows the success of her previous single, What If We Kissed, which has racked up more than 20,000 Spotify streams since its 2019 release. I would now like to welcome Alyssa's all-time friend, Tina. How you doing, Tina?
2: Hi, I'm doing great. How are you guys
0: doing today? We good. We good. (laughs) Better now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We're so happy to have you on the show. So I guess let's just go right into it. Tell us a story about how you and Alyssa met.
2: Oh my goodness. Oh my god. My one of my closest friends. Like, you know, since the end of time. Alyssa and I met at Lisa Long Island High School for the Arts. Um where we joined together in in literal harmony. Um <laughs> And we just vibed like from the moment we met. Like Alyssa is genuinely one of the funniest people I know. Oh. Like you too. You're the best. No, yeah, like um, you know, it was just you know back in high school. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Awesome. So you guys both went to Massapequa High School, if I'm correct.
2: Um, it was a uh, Long Island High School for the Arts. It was kind of oh, like a Bosey's right. like adjunct. Was, I don't know if
0: that's yeah. the right word. It was like half the day at Bocie's. Yeah, and half at our homeschool, and she's not from Massapequa.
1: Gotcha. You know, I should have realized that because before the podcast, you were talking about how you're probably going to move to Massapequa Park. Yeah, I should have realized. But you guys, because Alyssa, you had that special program at Lisa, you go for half the day. You guys met there. So where are you from on the island?
2: I'm actually from Seaford so the next town over. Oh, oh, (laughs) you're
1: basically next door neighbors. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And so talk to us about how you ended up eventually at the same college.
2: Mm, yes, really funny story. Um, So you know, I I, I chose Fredonia. I um, knew it was a good music program, and Alyssa also was very interested in music ed. So you know, she ended up like contacting about me about it a bunch of times to me, and like asking me questions. And eventually, we just kind of like she made her decision, and I was like, I was pushing for it. I was like, Alyssa, this is a great school, and, you know. <laughs> this is a great school like you know I, and I've I mean that to a lot of an extent like no bash on Fredonia it was just not for us I guess mm-hmm. but um a great music program so I was just kind of like rooting for you and then she eventually made her decision and we both left <laughs>
0: yeah and went to the same school again and <laughs> yeah. it was I swear it was like purely coincidence because yeah. like for me like Fredonia was like at the time, it was one of the cheaper options, and I got into, like, most of my choices, but I couldn't afford any of them, and then in the case of transferring to Malloy, it was, like, once again, one of the only schools I could afford that also would help me graduate on time, so it wasn't, like, you know, I followed you, per se, It's just it just happened that way, which was really weird. <laughs> right, right, no,
2: it's both, genuinely, and for ed, both great schools, like- don't, I don't see it that way at all. Yeah, no, it's, mm-hmm. it's, um, just two great programs. Um, you know, Corona kind of screwing things up, but what are you going to do about it?
0: <laughs> yeah. It made me happy that like I transferred when I did, because like, if we were both still at Ferdonia, think about like what we'd have to go through with Corona and having to like leave early drive, like seven and a half hours have like, you know, all that inconvenience having to like take online classes and not be able to like go in and or see any professors or it's just, it would be like kind of difficult to like take online classes when the school is seven hours away, you know? Oh, seriously. Like
2: I cannot imagine. And honestly, the whole Corona thing, like scared the heck out of me at first. And so like being seven hours away from home in a place that I dreaded, I cannot imagine that angst and anxiety. Crazy.
1: So eventually you made your way back home Alyssa rode the coattails. She eventually came back as well. Um, What are your classes looking like this semester? Are you all online as well?
2: Yeah, this semester is like all online. I don't really know if they're planning on making any changes, but I know it's like all on Zoom for me. I don't know about you.
0: Yeah, I just have one French class that I have to go in for on Mondays. And then um, we might have choir in person. We don't know. Oh, is it with Claytooth? I I think so. Oh,
2: I love him. Yeah.
0: kind of scared, but (laughs) based on what you told me. Oh, yeah. He's not that good. I'm sorry.
2: I don't mean to say this.
1: No, it's fine. No, what's the deal with him? Why is he, quote, not that good?
2: Well, I mean, the thing is, like, on the first day of class, he just didn't show up.
0: (laughs) I was there for that because I had to switch out of the class because it didn't work in my schedule. But we showed up. We didn't plan it. We were in the same first class for the first day. And he just didn't show up. And the whole time we were contemplating like leaving and the whole class was like quiet. And I was like, I'm going to go by the 15 minute rule. I don't know about you where you can leave after 15 minutes. We stayed
2: strong. I mean, that class stayed up until the last 15 minutes, I'm pretty sure. And then we we're like, OK,
0: there's 15 minutes left. We're leaving. Yeah, yeah. And then he, we found out he never showed up anyways.
1: So really interesting. Obviously, you're a music concentrator, of course. Anything specific?
2: Um, well, currently I'm going for music
1: therapy. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So obviously with Lisa and now studying music therapy, whether it be up at Fredonia or now here at Malloy, you have some background in music. Did it start in college and high school or did it start before then? Can you talk to us about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, sure. So, um, like, I mean, it kind of all really the core, the foundation of it obviously started when I was younger. And I like to, you know, mention this a lot because, you know, obviously I picked up instruments in elementary school, that whole deal. But when I was like super, super young, like a baby, like my dad always saying to me, like he has a great voice himself. He actually almost ended up like becoming like a cruise ship singer, like really funny, funny, fun fact, I guess. But, um, so he was always like singing to me, like even in the womb. So I think like, I kind of just developed that musical ear at a very young age. And then, you know, moving on, I always knew that I was going to pursue music in some way. Um, I knew I'd probably go to college for it. So, um, you know, honestly, I see my first year and a half at Fredonia as a foundational experience. Um, super incredible in terms of my musical growth. Like I, and Alyssa will tell you too. I mean, their program is incredible. Like my voice teacher was insanely amazing. Um, taught me so much. And even like the aural skills and theory programs that they had to offer were like super, like, I mean, not intense, but they were kind of intense. Yeah. Like they kind of really cracked you down. Like we'd have these sight singing exams um, singing exams, they called them and like mid semester and at the end of the semester. And it would be like, you had to memorize like 15 rhythms and 15 melodies. And then like, um, you had, they picked like three random ones. So you had to like throughout the course of the semester, like learn all of them and intense. So,
1: (laughs) so obviously, At college, they gave you a lot of, especially Fredonia with their program, a lot of musical theory, like the bedrock, the foundation to, I guess, be a more creative individual later on. Do you feel that they, their program was more geared towards making people who would eventually become professionals in the industry and not necessarily artists? Because I'm sure as an artist, you can speak to the fact that you don't necessarily need all these quote unquote, like skills that college would teach you in a music program to get big.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this is... um super super true like you don't have to be a producer or um you don't even have to have much like in-depth skill I feel like I mean you're you're totally right it's like I feel like Fredonia the program was for like actual I mean I am a professional musician but I feel like it's almost like different occupations like you know, you had the music performance degree there. And I feel like it was really classical oriented. Like, I feel like the people that graduated with the music performance from Fredonia were like going to become like part of the Winneco or something like that or, um, you know, like in the Met or something like really classical oriented doesn't mean that you couldn't become an artist. But I feel like the criteria wasn't like necessarily exactly lined up to be like, you know, like this is the program for artists. I feel like something more along the lines of like Berkeley's performance degree might've been more, uh, probably would have been a better fit for me now thinking about it. But you know,
1: how does that program differ from the one offered at Fredonia?
2: So I don't know. I Cause obviously like I'm not involved in it, but I hear a lot of things like about their performance um, degree. Like I hear just from some friends that it's super oriented towards like you know like becoming an artist like um you know learning more of the industry stuff involved and like working with producers like I've heard stories about how you know they work they work on projects like that they put out on Spotify you know for their semester kind of like projects and stuff like that so it's more geared towards that I'd say.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. Brown, um, what we consider like a capstone or senior thesis, quote unquote, project would be to release like an EP on Spotify or something like that. And so it sounds like they don't necessarily offer something like that. At Fredonia, it's more, you know, like professional based and like what tools you can learn. Right. Gotcha. But not so much as a performance utility, I guess, in that sense.
2: Right. Exactly. And I'm sure, you know, like I was in the therapy program, so I don't know the full extent of what performance majors, you know, had to endure. I knew that they had like a logic course, um, but I never really heard anything about that. I know the composition majors worked a lot on finale and stuff like that from a few friends that I know. Um, but yeah, I didn't hear much. I don't know about you. like.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know that like personally, like I've told Christian all the time, like I feel like Berkeley would have been a better fit for me too. And if like I ever won the lotto, like I would get a degree from Berkeley because it's too expensive for me. But, um, yeah, for Fredonia, I feel like for performance majors, like you said, it's definitely more like classical, like opera type deal, which is great. And like, I personally, I like singing opera, but like, it's not my main squeeze, you know, like, obviously I'd prefer to be able to just, you know, focus on like the genre I want to focus on but it's definitely great foundational tools because any classical course can help you with other genres yeah
2: I just feel like even it comes down to the connections that you make at the school I feel like even like if you're talking about like you know linking up with people and like networking at the school I feel like a lot of the connections that people make for like careers or at Fredonia would be like oh like you know, this professor is in the Winneco opera or something. And then like, I feel like if you go to Berkeley or like Belmont or one of those like bigger industry geared towards that kind of like schools, you meet more people that are more diversified in like multiple areas. And it's just more like secular, I feel like. Kind of.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So Alyssa with the opera singing, you with the music therapy, but we want to get to the root of the conversation here. Talk to us about the song making process.
2: Yes. So, um so do you mean like specifically to the songs that I've released?
1: Well, I imagine that before, like, you you have four official releases, am I correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but before that, I'm sure you've made countless other songs. Dope. So before we even get to the professional releases, talk to us about just the creative process and being a singer-songwriter.
2: Cool. Well, yes. Yeah, so I think it kind of, like, all started um, when I was, like, 18, and, like, I kind of came home from my first semester at Fredonia, like having a mental breakdown because it was like my first semester away. I went through a lot of stuff, Alyssa, you know, I can probably tell you. All that crazy nonsense. And so I just needed like an outlet. And I was like, okay, I got my first Mac because I was, you know, away at college and I was like, oh, garage band. Like I've always wanted to learn it, but this time I'm gonna do it. So I just, you know, had it on my laptop. I started fiddling and I made the first demo that I ever made, which I actually released on SoundCloud. It's called Thoughts. And it's literally just samples that I put together, but I didn't have a mic at the time. So I like used, I obviously sang into like my computer mic and I like delayed the vocal and like pitched it weird. And it was like exactly what I was feeling. Like that song, like was exactly what I was feeling. Like just chaos, like- Emotions all over the place. And then ever since that one song, I had just continued to make demos. I started to get a feel for like how to kind of like stop the samples, like cut them, like, you know, get more around on GarageBand. Like, I kind of just started recording at first and then I really developed. Like, I started messing with the, you know, m- little master like dials and stuff. So I kind of just learned my way around after a while like how to cut things how to you know add vocals properly and yeah and then um I just think with the creative process like I feel like the most the most raw emotion comes out when you're really feeling it like I feel like in my songwriting process and when I pro- self-produce things when I'm really sad and like I write about breakups a lot <laughs> if you noticed. But when I'm really sad and I'm really heartbroken about something or I feel really strongly, that's when all of it just kind of like pours out of me. Like I don't even have to try. You know what I mean? Like, so that's just kind of that.
1: Well, that was going to be my next question. Sounds like you really got into the process of getting around the mix down, I guess. And just seeing, you know, cutting it how you would like to cut it. Um, For a lot of people who just jump into it, it can be quite daunting, but it sounds like you just like let it flow and it kind of just happened. A lot of producers, they experience, I wouldn't call it writer's block, but I guess like producer's block. They don't know necessarily what instruments to put, how to pan them, different things. Do you have those issues at all?
2: Well, you know, in terms of like panning and like in depth kind of like stuff with that, um, even just like mastering, mixing and mastering. So I've kind of like watched a few tutorials, but to be completely honest with you, the whole like... I don't know, like, w- once you get super in-depth about it, like, in terms of, like, terms and everything, I kind of just, like, play what sounds good. I'm more of the production aspect where I literally just record and, like, lay down the tracks. I have worked with a lot of producers, though, that have kind of, like, showed me around. And I'm sure this will answer your next question. But, um, yeah, like, the songs that um, that are... are released by me are actually, I worked with a producer on, but the one song soul that I have out was produced, recorded by me. I guess you could say like I kind of fiddled in and out and then was also mixed and mastered by a friend of mine. So
1: yeah, Alyssa, I'm not sure if you had an opportunity to listen to the song Soul, but it is basically, well, how would you describe it? I think it's like a disco funk pop time.
2: Yes. So it's funny because, like, I love to, like, talk about it because it's kind of like you see me coming into a new era with that. Because if you listen to all my other tracks, like, you know, Not This Time, What If We Kissed and Grow, they're all very, like, electro pop kind of based. And actually, fun fact, I actually, I worked with um a, one single producer on all those three tracks. And his name is... um. Nick, uh, Lee, Um, he's, act- I'm going to shout him out because he is incredible. You have to check out his music. His name is Nicodemus on Spotify. This kid is absolutely insane. So talented. Um, but he really helped me put my ideas into perspective. And, um, so he kind of helped me like blossom that like electro pop kind of sound. Like, with kind of like some, like you hear, you hear in a few of them, like a few of the tracks, like 808s kind of stuff like that. So almost kind of like hip hop vibes. Um, but in the new song, I started kind of like realizing I really love the whole funk pop aspect with some electronic elements. And you're going to hear that in my new stuff, because that's exactly what I'm going for now. Like I wanted to keep like the hip hop electric elements, but I also wanted to cross over into like moving bass line kind of stuff.
1: It's really great, I think, to be an artist that has, you know, a diverse skill set with the types of songs they can produce. But I just want to go back to your producer friend real quick. Yeah. So the relationship you guys had, was it like you would lay down the vocals, you would give him like the chord progressions, tell him where you wanted the song to go, and he would like, come in with the instrumentation and really just make it what it was.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, that's exactly how we did it. I kind of just laid down vocal tracks. Um, I would play like I'd send him, you know, for what if we kissed, it was different. I kind of pretty much had an entire arrangement planned out that was like very different. And I actually put the demo on SoundCloud if you want to check it out. Um, but arrangement completely different. I actually produced the entire thing myself and then I had sent it over and he was like, I really, really like this. I kind of want to put another spin on it. So then he kind of did all the instrumentation stuff and just took the vocals and ran with them.
1: Well, the percussion on all the songs this guy did are absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. They just hit so different, especially yeah. You know, what If We kiss? They have really strong 808s with the kick and the side chain. It's really powerful. It rocked the car on my drive over here for <laughs> sure. Definitely. Um, Alyssa, do you have any other questions particularly on her song she's released? I mean, I love them. <laughs> well, other than them being amazing, you know, branching off of that, is there any hidden meaning behind any of your music? Because they're very curiously named. Not this time. What if we kissed? Grow. And then I know soul is maybe like a little different from those previous three. But is there a story there that you want to maybe elaborate on a little bit? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, this is the meat. We've been waiting for this. All right.
2: This story, my favorite part. Okay. Um. Well you know, oversharing is what I do best. So what if we kissed is pretty much, I'm not gonna name drop obviously, but like <laughs> what if we kissed is pretty much just like, I feel like it kind of like reflects in the whole title of it. It's a meme. So I kind of use the meme to like, kind of like brand a little bit. But um, yeah, just like, it's kind of about like being with somebody. Like you're not sure if they're into you, and like you know you're into them obviously but it's just kind of like the waiting game like guessing and waiting for them to make a move or you wanting to make a move but like not sure if you should because you can't really read the vibes but those vibes ended up being like you know I ended up thinking right so it was good but then you know that flopped real fast so <laughs> yeah and um not this time is just obviously it would, really angry song. Like I was like really angry at that time in my life. And I was like, I just want to make a song that's almost like, and I, I hate myself for doing it. Cause I don't want it to be like a validation thing, but I was just pissed. And I was like, I'm kind of trying to be a little petty, a little shady, but also trying to keep it cool and trying to be empowering. Cause I had never like written songs that were like, not about heartbreak. I, I mean, I had in previous demos, but not like released ones and not this time I was like, okay, it revolves around like heartbreak, but I also want to kind of take the power back. Cause I was like learning at that point in my life, how to actually make decisions for myself and think with my own head rather than like, you know, just with my heart. And so I really like, was like, not this time, like literally, no, like not you, like, I'm not going to, let you tell me how to feel like I'm gonna give myself the power now. So that was kind of that one. And then grow, unfortunately, another love song. Um, (laughs) but yeah, it's based around love, but it doesn't have to be interpreted that way. Like my best friend, Catherine, um, she's, you know, Catherine, Mm -hmm. she's great. And Honestly, what she said kind of like made me feel like really touched because she's like, I know you wrote this about a breakup, but I don't even like perceive it that way. I take it in my own mind as like it's pretty much just a song about. Like adapting to to change, but wanting to see the other person flourish, like no matter near or far, like where they are in your life in relation to you, you still have the respect you've always had for that person. And for me, it was like a breakup. For me, it was somebody that meant a lot to me that I hadn't spoken to in a while. But it could literally be about like your father that hasn't been in your life or, you know, your sister that, you know, like you never met or something. (laughs) Like, yeah, so, um, and I guess I'll do soul. I'll explain that one. Um, So- that was actually like literally a five month project. I start, was it, wait, March, April, actually, what am I talking about? Three months. I start, well, I came up with the concept for it in like January. So like four months I was working on this song and that was the only song I didn't work on with Nick. Um, I worked on it with my friend, Julian. He's actually, he contacted me cause he heard my Spotify and he emailed me and he's like, hey, I produce songs and like I mix and master and I heard your stuff and I really want to work with you. This kid's from Austria. He's insanely talented. Um, Yeah, and you know, we pretty much just did like a back and forth. I recorded it with my band and we did like a back and forth like Zoom calls and um, just tried to make it as eclectic as it could be. Like it started off with just the funk. I added like the second... You know, crazy vibe, like indie rock, it completely shifts. You hear, um, we just kind of kept adding as we went along. And it, for the meaning with that one, it's like I kind of like thought I was in a relationship at the time. <laughs> Another one. I was in a relationship at the time that like the person was like really like toxic but like they wanted everything from me at once that I just couldn't give to them. Like, I don't want to bash, but you know, like it was just unhealthy. And like, I knew that I was doing all I could and like just kept like taking and taking from me. And I was like, I can't give you anything else. So I was like, if you want to go, you can go. Like, but then part of me was like pulling and pushing because I'm like, I don't want you to, but like, leave me alone. Like, (laughs) so that's that's kind of just like obviously I have so many stories about my songs and I feel that that's the most important part for me like I don't put out a song unless it has that much meaning to me like I went on for a while but like obviously you know I'm not gonna put out a song that like I'm just like whatever you know what I mean like so really important meanings for me
1: of all the tracks I just have one question where is 32nd street
2: Wait, what was that?
1: From "What if we kissed"?
2: <laughs> oh yeah. So, um,
1: I you don't I, need to tell us too much. I'm just curious. Where is it?
2: <laughs> like to be completely honest, I knew that Penn Station was like on one of the thirtieths.
0: Yeah,
1: so I okay, I kind of gotcha. guessed
2: because, like. <laughs> You know, I'm just going to like say it. I mean, if the person listens and like whatever. But like my ex at the time was like obsessed with the city. (laughs) Yeah, like obsessed with the city. And I just almost like it was like I was literally writing the song like almost about like two girls at the same time that I felt strongly for. And one of them kind of like it was almost like. Like. I almost, it was so weird because like I, I pictured myself, I'll get, I'll get to why it was weird, but like I pictured myself like just locking eyes with her, like, you know, like just meeting up with her again after I hadn't seen her in so long. And then literally about like two weeks after I was literally right by Penn Station like closest to where 32nd street would be. And I saw her and it was like the weirdest thing.
1: She manifested it as we would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. So uh, were you going to say something, Melissa?
0: Yeah. I I know like a lot of your stories and stuff. And like, if I had the type of experiences that you had, like I could just, like you could probably like write a whole collection of albums based on all your crazy stories. (laughs) You've been through a lot. Like you've been through too much.
2: (laughs) yeah, That's crazy. Yeah. I, I pretty much do. I just, you know, a lot of it's unreleased and I do want to do some stuff with it. Like actually kind of like working with people right now to kind of like make it all concise and kind of like really tune in on the unreleased stuff that I have. So, yeah.
1: So as you were kind of alluding to, Artists deal with a lot of stuff, whether it's relationships or just the songwriting process. You said for solo, it took around like three to five months, somewhere in that range. Yeah. And people don't see that. They just see the finished product, but they don't see the months of trying different things and whatnot. And so obviously songwriting, making a song, working with a producer, obviously very long, tedious, and can often be a very expensive process mm-hmm. if you don't have all the skills yourself and you have to like outsource that to someone. Um, so my question is, how do you stay creative and influenced through all the things you go through
2: um well you know I think like the inspiration definitely comes like I said the inspiration comes from like the stories you know like all the crazy struggles that I feel I really feel the struggle I hate to
1: jump in I just I used the wrong word a better way to say it would be how do you stay motivated
2: yes yes so yeah honestly like It's just the struggle that I go through. I think, like I said, that really motivates me. That keeps me going. Cause like I noticed this pattern of, you know, sometimes I just want to sit around or like hang out and like drink with my friends, just have fun. But then like really when something's been digging at me and I'm sure you guys as artists like relate to this, you know, when something you feel such a strong, intense emotion about something, it's like sitting down, it's just so easy and just, you know, you just want to get it out. And like, for me personally, in terms of, you know, like, like, um, how do you say it? Just like being motivated, I guess. Like I want to actually spend so much like effort and energy on it like I don't know it just comes so easy and naturally to me I kind of learned about you know just being in this whole like industry and like I'm not there yet but for a year and a half you have to take like super calculated risks and if you really want something to mean the most to you it depends on like what that looks like for you you know when I first started like I just wanted to sit down and record on GarageBand but then I came to a point where I'm like I trust myself and I trust my abilities and I want to take it to the next level. So if that means that, you know, I should like try to brush up on my production skills or like reach out to other producers and see what they think and get their feedback and, you know, collaborate with them on my ideas. Like I want to make sure that, you know, I'm being su- successful. Like I always like to make a story out of what I do, like, or rather I like to, you know, like if I go through something, I use my music and my creativity and I always get something out of it, you know?
1: Gotcha. How do you handle the work slash time to make music and school balance?
2: Oh boy, it's tricky. Um, Well, recently it's been really hard because, I mean, you know, I'm actually working like a dog because I have some like really cool projects coming up, coming out, but I'm not quite making you know, the numbers I want to see, um, in terms of like sales yet. And like, obviously that shit doesn't mean anything to me. Sorry. Use bad word. Um, but like, yeah, like, um, you know, I'm not at the point where like I can make a career out of this. And to me, like personally, it doesn't make the difference. I just want to make the music and like collaborate, but I've been working hard at Starbucks to kind of like try to, you know, figure this out. And plus I have some online classes and like the semester's coming up. So it has been difficult, but, um, I always do find the time, you know what I mean? I make time for it. Like, if that means that I have to give up like some aspects of my social life sometimes, like, so be it. Cause you know, especially with some projects that I've had, um, going on, like, uh, working with other artists. I make it a priority.
1: Definitely. Talk to us about that. Collaborations, things that's going on in your life right now.
2: So, um I actually um as of recently teamed up with uh, an agency called uh, Evolved Artists and they're actually based in Leeds um England and they're really amazing. The founder Daniel Gardner is um he's a producer himself. Um pretty much what the agency does they like it's kind of like they, um, organize, uh, it's like a label in a sense, but not really. They have a team of songwriters and a team of producers. And so they send, um, Daniel sends out like all the demos of the, that the producers, you know, uh, like instrumentals and they send, he sends out all of them to, um, like songwriters. Um, there's like about like 40 of us, I think. And like in an email and it's like, Hey, Um, we need top line vocals for these, um, instrumentals. So send us what you have. He gives us like a month to like, just record, like take all these instrumentals and run with it. And it's really awesome. Like some of the producers are amazingly talented. Um, and yeah, they're, they've been super helpful to me throughout this process.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. It's been really, or I should say it hasn't been, it's just when, you reveal to the audience about like the process behind what goes into releasing a single. Yeah. Oftentimes like the producers, it's not like if it, if it turns out to be your song, their name isn't on it, Yeah, you know, but they're just trying to get their instrumentals out there and get up in the producing industry while you're trying to make yourself as an artist and a singer. Right. And I don't, you know, people don't always realize that. Like I have to remind individuals like Ariana Grande didn't make the beat. She just sang on it. You know, she's a really talented singer and that's great. But somebody sent her that, instrumental. And she was like, I could sing on that, you know? And so my question would be, are there any songs that like you wish you had that you didn't get?
2: Hmm. So like w- songs that I wish I had, what exactly do you mean by
1: that? Like you just mentioned how you like had a bunch of, like they send out tracks to you oh, and like, did somebody ever edge you out for a beat you really wanted to get on?
2: Oh, well, you know, I definitely like, so it's kind of just like browse down the list and like find the demos you like. And it's like, it's a weird process. I kind of didn't really know how it worked, like jumping, jumping into it. But, um, I guess I could, could have been the case with last month's submissions because I heard like two or three that I really liked and I put vocals on it and like I didn't realize like how much I should have been communicative with them because I kind of just sent them demos. And like, I think I, and I started realizing throughout this process that like, when you're sending in submissions, you want to go back and forth. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't really like understand, like, Hey, like, you know, I should probably get some feedback. And so with, Last month's submissions, I did a lot more of them and I, me and Daniel and me and the producers who, you know, had the beats um, were in more constant communication about like, oh, well, maybe, you know, the songwriting's really good. And the thing that I really like about Daniel is that he's he really pushes me with, um, you know, the songwriting like he doesn't coddle me like he's like, all right, you know, I think maybe the hook could be a little catchier in this spot. Or, you know, he's like, I think it's good, but like he always has, you know, a critique and it's really important when you're working with other people. And he said this to me and it's super true, you know, like you can write all you want, but like if you don't have anyone pushing you, then it's like you're not going to become a better songwriter. So, um, you know, yeah, there have been a few producers that have kind of just glossed over my tracks, but it almost keeps motivating me to keep going back to, you know, become a better songwriter
1: gotcha gotcha yeah you really articulated it quite well you know they don't see like in the music industry i know especially for edm and dance music whether yeah. it's martin Garrix or somebody else they have a song and they send it out to like 40 of the best vocalists in la yeah and they see whoever they can get on and sometimes you don't always even though like they're really accredited artists they don't always get on the track and so i was just curious obviously that motivates you to only want to do more yeah on the topic of collaboration, you mentioned previously that you're in a band. Yeah. So what's that like?
2: Oh, yes. So um, kind of like, you know, I was doing live shows for a while before Corona hit. And like, I wanted to kind of like for so long, people were telling me like, yo, you do really good live sets with your acoustic guitar, but like we want more. And I'm like, okay. So I really did want a band for a while. So, you know, I knew some friends of mine that were interested and um, my, you know, my friend Catherine and my friend, Matt, actually both go to Malloy. Matt McKeon. um, And then my friend, Matt Adele, who I met like kind of um, recently and he, you know, kind of through the industry. Um, So Matt Adele plays drums, Matt McKeon plays guitar and Catherine plays keys and backup vocals and harmonies and stuff. And we kind of just emerged like, you know, a few months ago and the show, the first show that we did was my <laughs> show opening for Aaron Carter, which is really awesome. Um, but yeah, like I was like for, for the show with Aaron, cause you know, like Aaron's kind of like, you know, like a bigger deal than other, op- you know, acts at like revolution, like national acts and stuff. So, i was like for this show i don't want to just play guitar like you know i was thinking about doing backing tracks but i was like i don't know if i could pull that off super well so i was like let's do a band so we started rehearsing for like you know like a month before like once a week and you know we had great chemistry like all four of us we did amazing things and besides rehearsing for my music we actually recorded soul together and you know worked on some of all our own tracks within you know this the um whole thing we had going on and it, they're amazing people. Like they're so much fun. I actually had, um, a bassist at the time. Also Morgan, um, it's funny cause he's actually my coworker at Starbucks. Um, and yeah, like we had great chemistry. We had so many good times just like, um, And just all kind of worked on our own stuff when we met, you know, we rehearsed at the A room in Hicksville, the studio, and it's just good vibes. Like it's even just like we're hanging out, you know what I mean?
1: Soul is such a good track and your other songs maybe aren't as, you know, live focused. It's more, I guess, like electronic in its production. It's not as like live instruments, like somebody's putting in a snare as opposed to playing it live for Soul. So my question is how does the songs translate into a live performance? Soul, I can see working, yeah. you know, with the band, but the other songs with a lot of big artists, usually they just have a track in the background and they're just yeah, dancing. So right. what do you do?
2: So Soul, actually, it's funny that you mentioned, I, I agree. And I think, you know, because it's like so instrumental and like it ha- literally has the instruments like all like in a row like that, like it would be perfect live. Um, we actually, you know, didn't really get to perform it live. We actually never did it actually there was this one gig at this (laughs) weird bar called Rams pub that we did it, but we didn't pull it off that well. It wasn't really well rehearsed, but, um, actually we do do really, um, cool covers of what if we kissed and not this time. And it's funny because you hear my stuff and you hear like funk and then you hear like electro pop, but, when we all come together and perform live, it's like literally like either indie rock or just straight up rock. Like we perform everything in a rock feel. So it's super cool and eclectic, I'd say.
1: Yeah, it probably comes off quite different from the recorded, you know, version. Any performance anxiety?
2: You know, it's funny because like at first, like, I mean, like literally... I got over it, like, I don't want to sound like, you know, like cocky or anything, but I got over it in fourth fourth grade. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying that like, I wasn't nervous. Like my first gig, I feel like I embarrassed myself and going onto the stage, I just felt like ridiculous. And looking back at it, I'm like, oh, that was crazy. But it was like, even my first gig, I felt so comfortable and confident. Cause like, I was ready. Like I had this fiery energy, just ready to like, kind of like burst onto the onto the stage. So it's not quite terrible, but I do feel the jitters, you know, before.
1: I can tell you for me, before I get onto a stage, I'm not sure if it's the same for Alyssa. I do feel the jitters, but the second I get on the stage, I own the room.
0: Yeah. It feels
1: actually amazing and empowering. What about you?
0: Yeah. Usually like the, the thing is like, I get anxiety if I think too hard about something, but if I just like, if I don't think too hard about it and don't get in my own head, then like I can get on stage and kind of already be in like a calm place. And then, you know, when I start singing or whatever, I feel like a lot more confident, you know? Right. Yeah. I totally relate to that. Yeah.
1: You mentioned you uh, opened for Aaron Carter. If there was one musician or artist you can open for, who would it be?
2: Ooh. Oh my God. Okay. So that's all right. So like, I very different sound, but I think a good fit, especially with like, this is such a range. I'm going to name two. This is such a range, but with the whole like electric funk influences, it would literally range anywhere from like Tame Impala to Dua Lipa. And I think that like, like both artists would obviously be amazing for like my career because they're both so in right now. So those are goals. Yeah.
1: Because you mentioned them, it strike. It strikes me. I can't speak. It strikes me so um, obviously that your music is a perfect um, collaboration of those two artists. Yeah. It's literally in the middle. Is <laughs> like it's it's really duolipa, but it's also really tame and bala as well at the same time, and that's really good. Would you ever take up being a like behind the scenes ghostwriter for either of those artists?
2: Oh my god, that's such a dream. That's actually such a dream because honestly, like random but I've just been thinking lately of like you know what it means to be to like be at the next level and like I feel like being famous would be really cool but it's definitely not what I strive for and to be honest like the anxiety of like that thought like kind of scares me because it's like whoa like you give up so much privacy in your life like people like weird dudes you know like like Joe Schmo like up in your dms like hey hey the next day hey like I can't imagine like all that like weird attention and I've been thinking lately how cool would it be to just be behind the scenes and be like a writer like sign some sort of like you know thing like where you just write songs for people and like bigger celebrities. Like I would love to do that.
1: That is definitely a career and industry people are in. I can only imagine though it's probably very difficult to get those very limited spots.
2: Yeah, definitely. Like I know Sia did
0: that, right? She Yeah, she did, I think for a few artists. Right, yeah.
1: I know Love did the same thing. He wrote for like Demi Lovato and other people until he eventually made his own breakout single.
2: That's amazing. Yeah trainer. Yeah, that's right.
1: Isn't that the story of Meghan Trainor? She couldn't find anybody to sing the song. No, so she just decided to do it. Is that the story?
2: I think it was all about that bass. Or
1: all about that bass.
2: Yeah, I think somebody else was going to take it, but then she decided to kind of like break out. I also heard that she like got like a scholarship, like a full ride from Berkeley, but she like denied it or something. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, they don't give many scholarships, so that would be really surprising. It's a rumor.
1: (laughs) Most memorable moment in your music career thus far?
0: Ooh,
1: could um, be good or bad
2: memorable oh my gosh oh <laughs> i have a funny story i have a really funny story okay so actually this p- previous there might be some curses in here so. oh you can say whatever
1: you want go for it yeah yeah yeah
2: <laughs> okay so um like this previous last few months in january i went to california and i went to the um National Association of Music Merchants (NAM) conference in Anaheim and um literally it was such a shit show um (laughs) well like no it wasn't like a shit show like it was actually really fun and I'm really glad I went and like got a taste of Cali but basically like like I was I was playing the Viper Room you know that Monday that I was there and like amazing opportunity it was the downstairs lounge but like still the viper room you know what i mean johnny depp used to own that club like it's it was popping you know so basically um my music consultant guy brian at the time like he booked the show um but he he didn't tell me that it was like his friend who her name is sister speak she was another artist like on the bill she got us some slots for the downstairs lounge. And it's pretty much kind of like a chill vibe where it's like a bar, it's kind of like an open mic kind of vibe. And he failed to tell us that like, if you're like under 21, that like you have to literally just go in, play and then leave. So I was performing with this girl, Kendra, who is 25 and Brian's like literally 39. (laughs) And it's like all these people, in our circle we're over 21 so like I have my guitar loaded I come in and like there's like the bouncer woman and she's like this g- <laughs> sorry she's like this goth woman <laughs> she's like she looked like she was like an actress or whatever and she had like two teeth and, <laughs> and she was would- so like people are going in the door or whatever they <laughs> walking in And like ready to like watch the show. She's like show me your bullshit. Like talking to people like their IDs. She's like asking
1: for your fake. Yeah. She's like what are you gonna try to pull on me?
2: Yeah. Well like everyone like coming in and then they're like they show her their bullshit or whatever. So then she's like fine. And she has like a smoker's like voice or whatever. And so I get in and I'm like hey like and then she's just like she looks me up and down. She's like are you 21? And I was like uh, no. And then she was just like, you have to get in and you have to get out. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, but like who, like when, because I was like confused. I was like, really? Like, I thought she was just had a problem. So she was like, she's like giving, she's like yelling at me now. And she's just like, don't you start with me. And she's like, I'm like, what the fuck? So like, I like her and I were like, like I was like getting pissed. Like I wasn't like up in her face, but I was like, what I like, I was kind of talking back to her cause she got this whole like attitude. And so then like, literally I, like my manager, like kind of like pulled me away. I was like, okay, just don't, don't ruin it. I'm not like, he's kind of a weird guy. And like, it, you know, I, I didn't want to ruin it, but I was getting really like feisty cause she was like up in my face. And so then, um, basically like after like this guy comes out, I guess who is the owner of the Viper room. And he looked like, literally, he looked like Johnny Depp, like, except like he was like, like a doppelganger. And he's like, yeah, so, you know, um, sorry about that. Uh, yeah. So the rules are that if you're under 21, like you can't, you know, and then I was like, okay, like, I was like, fine. And then he was also like, sorry that she acted like that. This is just how we act in West Hollywood. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, like, really? Like that was kind of a bit much, don't you think? But it was a really funny story. Like honestly, I take that memory with me. Like that was wild. Like that lady had no chill like at all. So
1: definitely good. Memory. It seems like when you got to LA you had like a rude awakening yeah. of the business and the industry. Yeah. Are there any other secrets that you've learned that most people don't know about?
2: Well, I mean, you know, I was only there for a couple of days. So like, I don't know, but like definitely like LA, I mean, I didn't spend like a um, much time in like the city or whatever. I mean, it was pretty chill for the most part. Like people were cool. Like I kind of liked it, but once I got to Hollywood, it's not that I didn't like it, but I did notice that people were a lot more animated and people like definitely like to put on a show, I guess, or like, you know, it's, you know like a lot of actors and stuff. So I think that whole like get up that she had going on, just kind of like threw me off. Like I wasn't really ready for it, like no shade to them or whatever, but it it was wild.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. It was just their vibe. Yeah. But anything, now that you're back on the East coast, things are working in a way that you thought they were going to work out or is there, did you have to adapt to the music industry?
2: Um, so, you know, it was kind of like back to the same old, I'm, You know, like, I feel like New York is definitely a lot different. Like, we get a lot of um, bad, what's the word? What do the kids say these days? We get a bad rap. Yeah, a bad rap. I was going to say clout, whatever. I I don't think that's the right word. Um, Yeah, for just, like, you know, being, like, pushy and aggressive or whatever. Like, I don't know. But, I don't know. Like, the vibes are really different. I feel like people can be, like, really laid back in certain parts of California, but then we're just like down to business. You know what I mean? I kind of like that. I like the, you know, the hustle of New York. So those kind of vibes match with the industry. Like there's a lot of, you know, driven people here. And I really like that.
1: Gotcha. Maybe LA is just a little too laid back. Yeah. You grew up here. So you're like hardened from the East coast. You're used to the tough winters. So you're like, I'm a hustler. I can't be relaxing like Johnny Depp on the West coast. I understand. Yeah. 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 If you had to choose, this is a big thing. Now, Well, first of all, do you think the internet has affected the music business in a positive way or a negative way?
2: Um, I think that there are a lot of positives. Uh, I, I feel like honestly more positives because I just feel like maybe the negatives is just like, maybe it was a little bit more organic the way that they found artists back then. You know, they just had their CD or you know, something they, they just kind of like found people. And that still remains true in like, you know, this day and age, like people go on tour and then A&Rs and stuff, find them, I guess. But I feel like just with the whole marketing and like, you know, you have Facebook and Instagram ads now you have like different kinds of like websites and like, you know, databases for like, like PR and for any kind of promotion, like on any platform, in terms of that kind of stuff, I've really kind of delved into that and realized, like, damn, if we were, you know, like, did we have this stuff like 40 years ago? Like, it makes it so accessible to be able to blow up.
1: Yeah, I see a pro as definitely, like, anybody can make it. But yeah. at the same time, since there's so many people vying for it, would we have the people we have today? And I just think of the story of Eminem and how he, like, gave a CD to this one guy, eventually gave it to this one guy, who gave it eventually... To, um, what's his name? Uh, Dre. Yeah. And then, but like, it doesn't work like that anymore. It's all about, oh, like you collab with people. Like, oh, like from the guy from Austria, I saw your song on Spotify. Let's work together. And so- a lot of pros but at the same time it's the market is super saturated that not everybody can eventually shine to the top yep
0: that's what i was thinking actually i was thinking like yeah like it's super accessible which is like great and it's definitely a pro because like it's you know not that hard to like get into the industry and to like connect with people but, like at the same time like a a negative is that like, there's so many people doing it. Like it's, it's not so hard. So that means that more people are putting their stuff out there, good or bad, but it makes it harder for people to find like, you know, like organic, fresh talent, you know? Yeah.
2: It definitely makes the market like more competitive and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. I just, I think it depends on like, you know, your mentality. I know that, you know, like for me, you know, in terms of like successfully finding a job and finding a career or whatever, you know, that's, that's how I feel. Um, like that, that's what I want from this. Um, but you know, I also view it as like the more the merrier kind of like the more artistry we have and the more, um, you know, things that emerge kind of, um, from, you know, having so many tools and like having so much marketing, like that's just more people you're finding. That's just, And you know what? I could see it as like, you know, really anyone could do it, you know? But I think if you have that much energy in you that you'd actually try to pursue something and put like a positive message or put your messages and like be vulnerable like that in front of people, I feel like that's just the ultimate goal. And I see it more as like, we have so much of that now. People want to use these resources to like actually like create create their own content and like put it out there and I just I don't know like I I view it as you know kind of like exciting yeah and but I totally see what you mean about you know everyone wants to get to the top and it's kind of like it could kind of be almost like a capitalist like thing going on where everyone's just trying to climb their way up and you know be willing to like leave people at the wayside. But I think as long as, you know, you have the best intentions for yourself, like I like to say, you know, for me, I don't really like care what comes out of, like I want to keep fighting to, you know, get to a point where I can blossom like that. But if it means that I'm not exactly at the top, like that's okay. And I know that if you have a positive energy, it'll just radiate and you'll find your way there. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I only asked because I heard of the statistic the other day about 40,000 songs are uploaded to Spotify every day.
2: Heard that. Yeah.
1: And so with everybody, you know, going for it, what's that, what's left is really, in my opinion, collaboration and networking.
2: Right. Yeah. It's
1: always about like, oh, I knew this one guy who knew this person who's a famous artist and they got me on that song or something like that. And so I think you're definitely going in the right direction with collaborating with other individuals and producers. If you had to choose between, especially in today's day and age with the internet and technology, between a label or independent artist, you know, making money just off of gigs and Spotify streams and writing songs for other people, as opposed to like a whole team you would have at like a record label, um, what would you pick?
2: So actually I've been like facing that dilemma as of recently. Doing it independently is so special, but if you're trying to take it to the next level, I feel like running in you kind of run into a wall. Like I started noticing a lot more success when I learned myself and I took on my own like, you know, um, industry like courses. Like I literally watched courses on how to hack the Spotify algorithm. You know, that's why you see like I have a little bit more success on Spotify because not hack obviously, but like kind of get to know like your way around. Like there's so many little things like collaborative filtering and like having more press, which really helps your presence and helps like get you more playlists. But that's besides the point. Um, So I took on a lot of that knowledge myself, but as an independent artist, there's only so much you could do. Like you have to make the music and you have to market it. It's so hard to be able to get to that spot or to get to the next level. And kind of, like, figure out where you're going. Like, you can be independent and you can have a team. And that's another great thing. But I feel like having a label or, you know, obviously, like, labels. Like, big word. You know what I mean? Like, there's some labels that are really good and allow artists to have a little bit more free reign. And then there's labels that are just kind of like, we own you now. And I've just... Kind of been sorting through, um, you know, and trying to find my way home. Like, but actually, I I think in the long run that if you have like a team that can kind of help you with marketing, like if you have some kind of management, somebody just keep you on track, like to give you tasks and to help you focus is so powerful. I think labels that run that like allow artists to have some kind of independent structure, but help facilitate the journey. I think that's what would be more
1: preferable to me. Gotcha. Cause especially everybody at the top eventually signs to some label. Yeah. The only one that I know who hasn't, um, or has recently, I should say, and had a lot of success up until this point was Russ, the rapper. Yeah. He had done, he had spoken on about how he was making hundred K a week just off of the royalties he would get from streaming services. Insane. But, uh, but he, what he does is he releases like a song a week and then he just like straight up grinds. Yes. Obviously it's a lot easier if you have like the marketing and the budget behind it if you're with a label. And so that leads me to my next question, um, specifically for independent artists, a lot of the ways they blow up is, as I'm sure Alyssa's aware, is on TikTok. Yes. And on a lot of other apps that use music, um, you know, like the short little clip of like the one hook in the song that really gets everybody going. Yeah your songs don't strike. Let me put it like this. Your songs come off to me as traditional pop songs where they have like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, you know? Would you ever go into something like super like cutthroat, poppy so you get that hook and possibly try to blow up on a platform like TikTok? So
2: I've like, (laughs) I'm still learning about TikTok actually. I'm like trying so hard to get around it and like I'm starting to use it more. But you know, like, I feel like it's so hard with TikTok. I literally, funny, I literally, you know, I've tried a lot of times, actually numerous times, like using my songs in TikToks. I mean, you know, I think the most that one of those have gotten was like 330 views or something like that. But then I was at work the other day and I uploaded a TikTok of like my freaking, I saw this, (laughs) my coworker. Okay. So I like, I rung up a drink and it was like a grande cup of water, 63 pumps of sugar-free cinnamon dolce. And my coworker just pumped 63 pumps of cinnamon dolce. And that got 76,000 views on TikTok. So I'm like, that's impressive. Uh, maybe I should figure out some kind of thing, but it's such a chance like, I feel like even with music blowing up and going viral, like sometimes it just depends on like what's in or like what people find funny or like something. I don't know. It's, I, I would love to though. Cause I know TikTok is really good with like blowing artists up and I'm kind of trying to figure out like more creative ways to do that for sure.
1: Yeah. 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 Cause if you can just make a song with like one, like catchy hook or something, then yeah. forget it, Like the savage dance or like, Swako or something like that. He has like Swico on the beat and like they do the drop and the intro of a song and everybody does a dance to it. Yeah. And you never know if one day Charlie might be dancing eventually to your like 15 second snippet. Yeah. But I just think it's a really good platform as we talked on a previous episode about how TikTok's really good just for all creators, including musicians on just getting their work out there. Right.
0: Yeah, I I, uh, just wanted to add, like, I feel like if you took, like, a song like What If We Kissed or something and you just caught something really funny just happening in public, like, somebody, like, walking weird or, like, just something that people would, like, laugh at and you just put, like, your song What If We Kissed or something like that in the background, like, maybe that would help it, like, pick up some traction because people would just find that thing funny and then more people would like use the sound naturally.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Something funny or weird. Like, I don't know if you noticed on my TikTok the other day, Alyssa, but... Um, like I posted like, <laughs> there's one video of like Catherine that I put on Snapchat and she's just like a bubble. Like I she's saw that lit, yeah. and she's just like walking backwards in reverse. And I put grow and I put like the caption and I was like, when your mom, when you say hi to your mom, but she snaps at you and she's like, <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know. Like I-, I try to do stupid stuff. Cause I know people like that.
0: Like <laughs>
1: <laughs> any other questions? um i have some but i was not sure if you were gonna build off that point oh okay so i'll just move <laughs> on to my next question okay uh you now i mean we are coming last couple questions here so i won't keep you for too much longer okay. you're now senior in college mm-hmm. what are the plans for after obviously working on music you alluded to that before i think it's gonna be getting released soon after college you're gonna go write slave in nine to five or are you mm-hmm. gonna keep pursuing the dream
2: So I actually do have a few announcements that I can't announce yet, but you know, they're coming, they're on the rise. Um, I, I mean, exciting thing that I can announce is that like, I do have songs coming out. Um, you know, um, I actually worked on songs with a very, um, a more notable producer. So it's exciting this time around. Um, Aaron Kanata, his name is, um, and he's actually signed to Warner Chapel. So he's like, he's got the stuff. You know what I mean? I I met him through my friend, Matt, who plays drums. He's an insanely talented producer, obviously. He's signed to a cool, huge label. And um, he really helped me perfectly, like capture the sound that I've been going for, that I've been trying to just achieve for so long. And I really think that the song has potential and, you know, I'm, I'm trying my best to move forward. Um, actually just recently, um, found new management, um, which is amazing because I, again, once this, you know, I had, um, good stuff in mind. I was like, I need to be able to make some moves. So like, Um, uh, Lewis Elton is his name of uh, Elton audio records, um, is my new manager now. And he's extremely helpful, uh, wonderful, so smart. And he's really going to help me, um, kind of get my, get my feet wet, a little bit more wet, I guess, you know, like keep it moving because I just feel like I'm at this point right now. Like I keep... I keep getting higher and higher and I notice like my growth and it feels really good, but you know, like we were talking about before I was doing it independently for so long and I was just, I think I have, you know, the drive, but sometimes I feel like when you're trying to get higher, like and higher, like the drive sometimes isn't enough and you just, you need to like have a team. You need to have people that like kind of motivate you or give you tasks and objectives to kind of like put it into perspective
1: a lot of successful people we talked to on the podcast all say they had some form of a mentor, yeah, or someone they spoke to that would help and guide them in their endeavors. And it sounds like you have that as well.
2: Right. Yeah, uh, Lewis, like you know, we've we've known each other for like a few months now. Um, it was really cool, actually. My friend Matt posted like something about a giveaway about his label, and so um, one of their interns had contacted me. Um, you know, um, I I believe for like um, just like a like, uh, blogs and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, not at the moment ready to do that kind of stuff. But then, um, then after, like, I was contacted about doing a music festival, which is really awesome. And it was with, uh, Lewis's label. So it was like a virtual music festival. It's called Virtual Vibe. I think you could still check it out on YouTube. It's really cool. A bunch of artists from all over the place. And, um, yeah. And so basically... I, uh, joined that music festival. And then ever since me and him kept in contact, I just, like I said, my drive was there. I wanted to keep, you know, going like my Instagram presence was not where it is right now. And like Lewis like recommended to me, he was like, I think you got it, but like, I need you to have like more of an image. You know what I mean? Like, who are you? Who is Tina? Like, And then it kind of made me realize like, oh, yeah, I need to kind of like tailor myself to like be somebody, you know. And so then I like worked on it because his mentorship in that moment like really meant to me. So then I kind of like circled back with him a few months later or a month later. I was like, hey, so what do you think? And he's like, that's great. And he's like, he loved my devotion. And he was like, let's work together like I'm about it. So we're making moves now. And it's, it's going to be really cool.
1: I think an important component of any individual who wants to succeed in a certain industry. Well, first of all, you have to acknowledge and just see that other people have done it so it can be done. And honestly, emulation or um, like copying someone is like the highest form of flattery. So if you see like these other artists making moves, getting a mentor or like cleaning up their social media, that's definitely something you can, I wouldn't say leech off of, but you can like see and try to emulate and see if you can gain that following. Um, So is there any particular artist that you might look up to that you might get some influence from?
2: Um, So like I I mentioned, um, like in like my artist bio, um, you know, with my current sound, like what I'm trying to go um, for now, like growing up, like I I always love to say this because it really means a lot to me. Like my mom, like she was an eighties chick. So like Donna Summer was like her thing. (laughs) Like even me and Alyssa, when we were in Lisa together, we did this whole like Donna Summer, like medley. And like, I think even that coming back, her coming back is like a theme in my life. Like in high school, like really proved that point. I'm like Donna Summer, like kind of like really showed me like you know, Giorgio Moroder kind of like he produced that entire album. Like he, you know, that kind of like funk, like psychedelic, never before done eclectic sound, um, is exactly what I'm going for. And even just like the vocal prowess of, of Donna Summer, even in her other albums, like that was a different album kind of that like showed off a different kind of production. But, um, I think that she's probably one of the biggest influences for me. Um, also right now, like I said, Dua Lipa, I'm really liking her stuff. I'm I'm really inspired by her. I think her vocals are incredible. I really like her, um, you know, funky take on pop. And those are two that I'm inspired by.
1: She has one song that's so good. I was hearing on the radio. What's the song where it's like never letting you go or something like that.
2: I think break my heart or something.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. the way the beat just like stops and yeah. just like thumps. Great. You know, it's so good. And yeah, definitely your music definitely comes from the influences. Yeah. Definitely Dua Lippa and uh, Tame Impala. Yeah. Yeah. that cool. you mentioned before. All right. I only have two more questions for you. Okay. So what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out, like where you were perhaps two, or three years ago. Like what what advice would you give to Alyssa if she wanted to excel her music career?
2: So I'm gonna recommend like, take your time, like be patient with yourself. If you're not seeing the results right away, don't like panic. Um, if you want it, like, I'm not gonna be like that white girl or whatever, but like, if you want it, like literally, like this whole thing kind of made me realize like manifestation is like kind of like imp- it's, it's empowering to look at stuff that way. Like, were gonna say what were
1: you going to say? I was going to say it's kind of real.
2: Oh, yeah, to some extent. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Because it's like, it's like, I, I really like, I didn't think of it like that at first, but then I was like, okay, so like, I'm doing this right now. I'm just going to keep putting out, like it started for like the recording process. Like I want to put out music. I want to put out an album. I want this. And then I literally busked like I went out in Penn Station and I played like you know like artists do that that's amazing but that's such a vulnerable thing to do and it scared the absolute heck out of me and like the thing is like it's something that I would never have thought to do but like and it's kind of a scary thing to do and it's like like wow that's that's crazy and like I don't know, like just seeing the fact that I did that, like that's when I met my old music consultant. And once I met him, like I got into the whole Long Island scene. It's like you go literally from like one point to another, but it's just by putting yourself out on the line of fire and doing it. Like if you want it, you will do it kind of manifestation kind of thing. So be patient, but like drink coffee or something, like keep that momentum going. Cause once you start achieving, it's like, you can't stop, you know?
1: Yeah. I think as you've spoken about over the course of this entire episode, you really get like those small victories here and there Mm -hmm. and it just builds you up, you know, whether it's building up the social media and being your own brand or making songs or even working behind the scenes, things that people don't see, but because you're working on it, as long as you're doing something each day to further your career and your goals, I think that is definitely a form of success, even though if it's not like visible yet.
2: Right,
0: yeah.
1: And definitely manifestation is definitely a big part of that. Yeah. Alyssa, that is all the questions I have for Tina. Do you have any additional ones?
0: Um, I mean, you covered everything that I basically like had, all the questions I had, but like, I just also wanted to add that like, personally, like when I think of like artsy person with an image, I like immediately think of you. Probably. Because like, I feel like even though like, your sense of style is kind of all over the place. It's kind of what I look up to because it's like so like laid back yet still like coordinated in a way. And like, I see that with like your Instagram and everything. So you're doing a great job with the image thing. Thanks. And also like, I also wanted to mention that like huge thing that I see you doing and a lot of other great artists is like collaboration. And I feel like there are some people that I know and you know too, and you're going to know who I'm talking about, (laughs) (laughs) who focus on like making everyone like their competitor and like they see other singers as competitors and get upset over it. And I feel like that's so toxic because in the music industry, especially like when you're like laid back and like nice to everyone and you make the environment more collaborative rather than competitive, like it changes your whole perspective and like you're able to like make better music and express yourself with other artists. And instead of looking at people as like threats who are like stealing your um, path, you look at it more as a compliment. And it's like, you know, there's a whole nother way of seeing it. And I definitely think that like, based on what I hear from you, like you're somebody who sees everything as like a collaboration opportunity. And like, I love that about you. And I feel like that's something like I'm trying to emulate myself to like see everything as like, an opportunity. Yeah. I
2: appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks so much. No, I think like definitely, um, you're right. And, um, collaborations like super important. Like if you, I feel like if you're like the first kind of thing you described, like the competitive kind of stereotype, like unless you have a lot of money, like you're not going anywhere. Cause if you're, you know not listening to new new music or like there's no pressure with that but like if you're just not really influenced by anything or if you don't have people to push you you know if you're not open to, you're just kind of have that tunnel vision like that's not going to get you anywhere this whole industry is about networking so collaboration is another form of networking and like you know you're just constantly meeting new people and then you meet new people from those people so yeah, you're right, for sure.
1: Yeah, it's the same thing with the podcast. Yeah. I tell listen, anybody you think that's interesting, let's get them on. And so I'm not even sure if she mentioned you, but I was like, we well, got to get your friend Tina on. <laughs> I was like, because, you know, she's a music personality, she's an upcoming artist, and you like never I know.
0: I mentioned her.
1: Okay, I'm not going to throw you under the bus. Pro- you probably did mention her, but I definitely know when we first started out, I had like a long list of people, and you were definitely on there. Yeah. Because you never know, just collaborating and helping each other out, you know, it's... It shouldn't be that competitive, especially, like you said, when you don't have a lot of money, it's everyone's at the same level. So you're not going anywhere. So you might as well just take a chance and work with that individual.
2: Right. Exactly. But yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, it's just, it's super important to like collaborate. It's just one of the biggest things. Like you're right. Like if you're all on that level of like, you know, you got to start somewhere and collaboration is the best. I kind of wish that I, I mean, I kind of did collaborate in the beginning Like, but I wish I did more collaboration in the beginning because, like, I might have been able to, like, meet even cooler people and make even more different music.
1: But even if there's people you're not connected with today, they were definitely a part of the journey, you know? Yeah. I think that's just something to acknowledge. Yeah. That's all my questions for you, Tina. My last one isn't a real question, but it was, do you have any questions for us or Alyssa? Oh,
2: um, questions. Well, how how are your guys' uh, coronavirus
0: <laughs> quarantine?
1: Um, well, we're doing good, you know, 14 days. Maybe we have it. Who knows? Oh no!
0: Uh, did you lose power with uh, the past hurricane? Because I lost power and we just got it back like two days ago. Yeah, I
2: heard like pretty much everyone did. But like I, um, no, I, I kind of, I, yeah, I didn't lose power. But like my Starbucks like lost it for a second. So like we had
1: to close
0: really
1: funny well if there's no other questions I think we're just gonna end on that note Alyssa any final points you want to make
0: no it's just I mean we've been on some crazy adventures I know we've been through so much we've been we were in that uh, acapella group together oh god
1: <laughs> well you know what Tina will definitely have, this was definitely about your music career we'll have to have you on in a future episode just as friends yes. you and Alyssa discussing the good times and the memories um, thank you so much for joining us you can find Tina at on Instagram at Tina Town and everywhere else as just Tina, correct? Yes. All yeah. right, awesome. Tina. Go listen to her awesome music on Spotify, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Tina, thank you so much. We're Love thank to have you back guys.
0: on. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. It was fun. Thanks, guys. <laughs>